Welcome to the first episode of Life and Basketball. I'm Morgan Sherm, radio producer, stand-up comedian, and newly crowned baddie who loves hoops. I've had a connection to basketball since I was a toddler, and it's grown, changed, evolved. The sport has been the thing that connects me with my dad. So, life in basketball is intended to be a celebration of life through sports. My first guest is a cool journalist and writer I met via Twitter. Um, Her name is Tiffany Walden, and you're really going to enjoy this episode. I would like to state that in these water-cooler-style sports discussions, I intend to center women, because most times we're forced into moderator roles, and we're not allowed to drive the conversation when it comes to sports. So, there'll be more cool women featured over the next several episodes. Stay tuned. Now, it's time to blast off. Yeah, that is great. I'm not yelling. This is how I talk. I'm sorry. I like hearing myself. I hate, that's why I hate hearing myself. Because then I start on. Doing that weird thing, and I do this real weird thing now when my voice like goes from femme to masculine. Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to Life in Basketball. This is the inaugural episode, and for my first guest, I really, really wanted to collaborate with this young lady for the longest time in some way. Um, she's a Chicagoan, um, a real Chicagoan. Formerly of the Orlando Sentinel, now the co-founder of probably the most preeminent um, source of Chicago urban culture, the tribe. Hey. Tiffany Walden is here. Thank you. That was such a beautiful intro. <laughs> it's real. I'm trying to be authentic. I appreciate that. Uh-huh. So how have you been? I've been good. Just grinding. Um, all summer long, just been a grind. And then now we just won this... Um, Inaugural Field Foundation Media and Story Grant. Okay. Uh, so that's our first time winning an operational grant, so we can, you know, really try to increase in our capacity and our production of stories. So um, it's a really good time for us. A really exciting time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, if it sounds like I have a slight cold right now, that's because it is allergy season mm-hmm. in Chicago. It was like 87 two days ago, and now it's 60. Yeah, it's wild out here. <laughs> um, so we're getting closer to the NBA season kicking off. I wanted to bring you on because, you know, we've sparred back and forth. Um, I've seen it. You know, you are a Bulls fan. God bless your soul know, for that. Rough, um, you know, and so I know that you all are hoping to actually get some work done with the All-Star Weekend coming up since we are having All-Star yeah. Weekend here in Chicago. Um, what are your – are you excited about the Bulls coming up this season? Not really, no. <laughs> The thing about the Bulls is just that, like, I don't know, like, for some reason, they just don't want to put together, like, a real team. It's, like, super this cheap way of, of putting together a squad and hoping that spending as less money as possible will turn out some type of result. And I know that the Bulls, I guess, was hoping that they would get a good spot in the draft. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This this whole season, could, it could really be a, a shit show. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I, have high hopes for it. I'm hopeful that Zach Levine takes the next step. 
Um, he is our premier scorer at this point. Uh, Lori Markkinen, I don't know what his, I don't know what his ceiling is. Mm-hmm. I think he has a pretty high floor. Um, I don't know how much better he can be. Um, I'm not as enthused about players like Wendell Carter Jr. Exactly. And other <laughs> stuff. Um, but I do think that being in the East that um, has been weakened with Kawhi leaving. I think that the Bulls have a have the potential to make the playoffs at least. I mean, they might make the playoffs, but I mean, you got Brooklyn now. <laughs> you got Jimmy Butler going out to Miami. I mean, I don't know. I just you got Derek in Detroit, right? And and you also got Milwaukee who killed it last season too. The Greek freaking them did a really good job in the playoffs. So like, and he's only going to get. Um, better from here on out. So is he? I think so. I like him. <laughs> I think that he uh, definitely has the potential to be one of the um, one of the greatest like big like big guys that we have in the league. He's not um, a big guy. His his reach. He plays he's like long, but he's not a big guy. But he plays like he can play like a big. He's guy. He's a small forward. He, yeah, but he still can play the same same thing with LeBron. LeBron can play. Like LeBron is the greatest athlete of our lifetime, so let, let let's keep that. that let's <laughs> different. <laughs> All right, I'm just saying that the Greek freak has the potential to really take it to where he needs to go, and the Bulls could can make the playoffs, but at the same time, like I don't have again, I don't have my hopes. I, I, I think we're on one piece away. Um, maybe next season, the free agency, or the, the year after that, probably. Um, getting someone, I'd say Giannis is a free agent in 2021. I don't know if the Bulls actually have a shot. I know he's in Milwaukee now, so if he develops anything there, Chicago is pretty close shot. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's if the Bulls front office wants to win, because that's a thing every year. Like, they don't, they never bring on a real, a, a full squad for us to really have a chance to compete. In my opinion, so um, okay. So yeah, I mean, we'll see if that, that's something that happens. But what's to stop Giannis from going west? What's to stop him from going over to you know one of the teams that's already building, like the Lakers? Right. His Even, brother is on the Lakers now. So mm-hmm. see, I mean, he what's what's sexy about coming to the Bulls right now? I think Chicago is a sexy city. Yeah. But for somebody who wants to win, what's sexy about coming to the Bulls right now? That's what we'll have to figure out this season. That's what this season could theoretically be about. Now, let's look at some of these rankings. They put out some uh, preliminary rankings before the season started yesterday. and I have an issue with the Clippers being number one. Mm. I don't like the Clippers in number one. Partially because, I mean, impartially because I'm a LeBron James fan, but also... <laughs> I don't believe that Paul George is as significant as people are trying to make him out to be. I think this is going to be that season that determines that for sure. Like, can Paul George really come into the Clippers and really, like, make a name for himself, really stand out as a player? Um, Because somehow Kawhi has become Jordan in people's minds. I don't get it. (laughs) But Kawhi ain't better than LeBron in my opinion. Kawhi has always been, I feel like, a a fan favorite, even when he was down at the Spurs. 
So I feel like him going the way he left the Spurs and went up to Toronto, and um, and then winning that season. Um, but let's be honest. Did the Raptors win the championship because of Kawhi or because Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson got hurt? See. And I'm not trying to come up with excuses. I'm just saying that Kevin Durant is significantly better. We can't we can't ignore those circumstances. Yeah, you're right. Kevin Durant is significantly better than Kawhi Leonard as a basketball player in my mind. And I still believe that LeBron James is significantly better than Kevin Durant. So I don't understand how then we say that Kawhi and Paul George just being added to the Clippers automatically makes them better. But what's his name is there too, right? Who's uh Who's the third guy? On the Clippers? Yeah. Lou Williams? No, it's another. I thought somebody else went there. Montrez Harrell? He's not the third guy. No, I thought it was somebody else. So maybe I'm maybe I'm confusing my teams again. I haven't. It's been my mind has been so many places this summer, mm-hmm. so I haven't been keeping up. Okay, but yeah, you have Lou Williams, who's perennial six man of the year. So that might do something, but I don't really um. I like the Clippers, but they're not the best team in their own city. Let's keep it honest. They're not the best team that plays in their own building because, if we're going to be honest, Anthony Davis is better. You're not going to – no one is logically going to look me in the eye and tell me that Kawhi Leonard is – that Kawhi Leonard is unquestionably better than Anthony Davis. This is another. This is one of those times too, where it's going to be a standout year for Anthony Davis. This is that proof that proof year for me too, because Anthony Davis has been down uh, in, New, in Orleans. New Orleans, and he also hasn't had like a a, a full squad yeah. around him to really like you know show. What we're about to see this year is what LeBron would have looked like with a young Shaq. Right. Right. Because Anthony Davis essentially is a young Shaq. Maybe mixed with Tim Duncan because he plays defense. So right. I think it's scary. Yeah, it's gonna be a good season for sure. And uh, this is this is one of the I don't know. This is gonna be like I don't know. It's just gonna be a really exciting season to watch because um because of all the moves that people have made and because we're kind of breaking down that whole you know everybody going and joining like a big three mentality too like we're now just or a big two now yeah a big two yeah um but we're just gonna be able to really see people play and like see what's what's you know what's gonna happen from there so so yeah i'm I'm excited to see it sold out okay another thing that was um interesting on this preliminary list golden state is listed as six Mm. what do you think about golden state Golden State could be their reign could be on its way out. They're still well. Their reign is over because Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're still a powerful squad for sure. And and I mean, their threes and shooting from the perimeter and stuff is unmatched. Um, but yeah, I mean, the West is just packed right now. It's gonna be hard for them to to hold on to just that. I'm automatically going to the championship. Well, they're not going to the championship anymore. That that right. does Steph Curry will not play in the championship as long as LeBron James is still playing basketball. Steph Curry will never see the championship again now. So, even if he even if he leaves, because I saw a tweet. Uh, I mean, well, LeBron is going to retire in three years, but I mean, then Steph might. But yeah, for the next three years at least. He's but I'm not. saying if Steph goes to another team, he's not going to another team. So you think he's gonna? Yeah. He's gonna retire. They're building a new arena for him. I know. He has to stay there. 
he doesn't have to stay there. It's in their best interest if he stays there. But if he wants to He'll, win too, he won't be a bigger star anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I'll say this because like once um once LeBron retires, I don't think Anthony Davis is as marketable as Steph. Is Kawhi is marketable as Steph? Not right now. We don't know what Zion is going to be yet. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is that season where a lot of those answers or a lot of those questions will be answered. Like, we have to see. And Steph's got the bicep wife, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe she, you know. She's a bicep wife because she loves to make the headlines. She might uh, keep her thoughts to herself until. She's not. (laughs) She's Erica Campbell with it. She's Erica Campbell with it. (laughs) <laughs> She's definitely Erica Campbell. Uh, I I don't know that that was that was a that was a wild time. I, that was a wild time. I I really wonder if she thought that episode was gonna air after the finals, okay. or if she knew it was gonna air during the finals. And I'm just like, you know, that that was kind of wild for her to to say during the finals. Um, she's entitled. And she didn't feel like she. Well, I mean, I think that that's a a different issue that a lot of basketball wives or girlfriends or just even uh, women who date media figures that they deal with all the time. Right, and I, she's definitely valid in her feelings, and I totally understand where she's coming from. Uh, I mean, she's been with Steph Curry since they were kids. Yeah. Like, that's the only man that, she's ever that, been that with. she knows. Right, and now she, she's That 30, we know of. That we know. And she's, <laughs> <laughs> and she's what, 30? 31 years old or something yeah. like that and got three kids like your whole life has been wrapped around this guy this man who is a, a, a who went from just being a regular basketball player to one day of being an overnight sensation and just a sex symbol after a while because of his green eyes and all of this stuff like it, that was a very um rewind hold on, hold on. <laughs> people it's some women that's in love with Steph Curry, like that don't mean he's a sex symbol. Like, come on, to some women he is though. Some women is like he is fine. (laughs) Like some women is really into him, and but that happened again as he became more and more successful in the NBA. Because I didn't hear people fawning over him, you know, before the titles and things like that. So again, all of that change happened, and the MVPs and all of that. Exactly, and all of that change happened, and here she is still, you know, that's that's. What fifteen years she's been with the same person and got yeah. three kids like that's a lot. So she was definitely valid in her feelings. Um, it's Jada Pinkett's fault. It's always Jada Pinkett's <laughs> fault. That red table is the devil. I don't ever want to approach that red table in my life. I hope that I don't ever reach that level where I get invited to go to that red table because then something will come out that I don't need to come out. Our biggest, and I say our because me and. Um, Morgan talk about this a lot, but the, the other Morgan, my namesake. Yes, the other my Morgan. official namesake. <laughs> if my name is officially Morgan now. Yes, Yay! Yes. <laughs> um, my business partner, uh, Morgan Elise Johnson. We always talk about the red table. The thing about the red table is that they uh, they don't ask the right questions. I feel. Oh wow! It only goes so far, and then you're like holding on and waiting for them to take that next step into something deep, and yeah. they never go there. So I don't know if that's like edited out. I don't know if it's just because um, folks aren't 
professional question hackers. You know, that was a thing on Twitter the other day about when you got celebrities interviewing people and influencers interviewing people instead of actual journalists. Ooh, um, we getting to that in a minute. I want to, I want to <laughs> hold that thought because there's a lot to get to there. Brittany Renner and stuff like that. Um, finishing up with the NBA, what do you think of Zion? What he might do this season? Zion's gonna be super impressive. I feel like. He's going to be um, the kid to watch and the kid that's going to make the NBA. I won't say exciting again because it's exciting right now. Exactly. We have the, but he's still, we haven't. We have the best basketball player we've ever seen playing in the NBA right now. So it's like, I don't. See, I'm not on this LeBron train with y'all. So. But even, I've been on this train since <laughs> June. I've been on this train since January 6, 2001. He's definitely. One of the greatest <laughs> athletes of our generation. He is not the greatest athlete of our generation, but he's one of the greatest. Who's the greatest athlete of our generation? Serena Williams. You know what? I will, bow, I will bow to you with that. <laughs> I will bow to you with that. Serena because, yes, yeah, Serena Williams, definitely, you know, I don't think that, and I'll say this, I don't think that men could, I don't think people take into account how serious pregnancy is. That documentary that she had on, I guess that was HBO. Yeah. Of her bouncing back from this pregnancy yeah. to the court, like, our everyone needs to watch that. Like, it is insane how much work and practice and dedication and everything that she puts into um, this sport and into everything that she does, and now as a mother into um, motherhood. So. And as a wife, too, into her marriage, like, it's so many different aspects of what she does um, that people don't take into account. All they see is just, you know, the end result of her, her, her on this court. But someone like her, somebody like Kobe, like, just the amount of work that they put into this thing, like, it's, it's unmatched. So I feel like people write her off because she's a woman. The same thing with Beyonce. They write off Beyonce because she's a woman. But I'm like... Y'all, it's just some stuff you can't deny at some point. Like, you can't deny Serena Williams. You can't deny Beyonce. Beyonce has nothing to do with sports. Yeah, but... <laughs> can't deny Kim K. You can't, you can't deny these things. Can't deny Kim K. Huh? No. I'm a Kim Kardashian fan. I just had to throw Kim K in there. Why? I'm not into Kim She's K. the mother of four black children, okay? Okay, I can't do it. I'm only on the Saint. Saint is the only person I, I, I look for. Saint is the only now. person you trust? Yeah, I'm only going to break out of this whole whatever's happening over there. Um, he's the only child that I'm like rooting for. But um, no, I can't do it. Kim K and then it's too much. <laughs> too much. You're listening to Life from Basketball, and my guest is the co-founder of the tribe, Tiffany Ward. Uh, we're jumping back and forth out of sports and into this other realm now. But what do you think about Kanye? Because, um, you know, he did a screening of his music and his movie here um, over the weekend. The album was supposed to come out Sunday. They didn't forget all about the album. Now I ain't heard nobody say nothing about it. I definitely think that the album, I think the album is done. I don't think that there's anything that they're doing to it. Well, I think that he might be doing things to it simply based off metrics. I think that they were waiting for so many engagements before mm. they actually released it. Yeah. They didn't reach those engagements, right. and they're not releasing it right I now. I 100% agree with you. Um, the past year, I feel like Kanye has just been 
that game of him trying to win people back because last year was so terrible for him uh, with him aligning himself with Trump. The whole... Uh, uh, Slavery was a choice. That... <laughs> That I can't. I don't even have words for that anymore. Um, along with the beef he had with, with Drake and exposing his son and and, yeah. and all of that, all of that controversy was wrapped up into him dropping this slate of music, right? And I guess in his mind, this controversy was still because if you the thing is the thing about Kanye when you really sit down and think about think about who he was before when we when he was a fan favorite. Nothing has really changed. Like yeah. he's always thrived off of the controversy. Like when um, him and uh, when what was coming out was it graduation when him and Fifty Cent were yeah got into it stone? yeah yeah so that was a whole beef or whatever that was conjured up so they can have this magazine cover so that yeah. album could have um, some sales and stuff too. So it's like what he's doing now isn't any different, but the difference is we have social media and we can call out the bullshit now. So that whole thing last year of him, you know, falling into the politics and Candace Owens and all of that, like, when nobody rocking with that, like, there's no reason for you um, to downplay your own ancestors uh, suffering and and murder for years and play it off as, oh, we could have just got off the plantation when we wanted to. Like, oh, we could have just yeah. packed our bags, got up and walked away. Like, no. And, um, it's an insult for him to even say that and say that to an audience, which now his audience is predominantly white. So he's now become a representative of black culture. And you telling these white boys and, and, and these um, Supreme head type guys or whatever, like, Oh yeah, the black folks, they know they could have just got up and left. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah, like a terrible a... Um, representation on our part. And then you want to turn around and, and go to the church and um, use the church, the black church, as your saving grace. Um, it's just really tired, and and um, I think, like you said, they thought that this church stuff was gonna ring ring everybody back in, and him doing this Sunday service that was gonna ring everybody back in. I went to Sunday service when it was here, and it was not what I I thought it was going to be. Like I thought it was gonna be like Kanye really like doing something. But it's just them playing like looping songs or whatever, okay. you know, looping gospel songs um, on a beat machine, or at least his part is just that. Yeah. Um, the choir is phenomenal, but choirs are phenomenal. Black women, black singers, yeah. black men are phenomenal in general. So the, the choir is outstanding. But Kanye's role in it, if he really wanted to to do a church thing, why not involve the church? You came here, why not involve some of the um, the staples and gospel music in Sunday uh, service. Why not even, you want to incorporate house, why not involve the house folks in Sunday service and do something live, like something that's cold live. But I don't know. I'm just like, they, they wanted Sunday service to be promotion, I feel like, for this album. Um, and like you said, the album is done. I'm sure it's done. Young Thug just tweeted the other day asking if his stuff is still on there. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I feel like, like they're not gonna drop it because like black folks ain't rocking with it. You look all the twi- all the videos on social media has been a bunch of white boys. Yeah. At them things, and that's because of Kim, uh, Kim Kardashian. She doing PR 
yeah. for him. So that all the people Kim Kardashian have, is the best label head I've seen. She is though. World. Like I will give her that. She definitely is, and she's the reason why the, these uh these things are filling up because those are her fans that's coming to this stuff. Um, but Kanye lost his black audience last year, and I don't really don't think he can get everybody back. I will say this though. I think that um he's always been spiritual. I think a lot of artists are spiritual. I think that a lot of times we, um, and I say we just as a member of I guess the black church where I come from. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to hold their past or their present against them. Mm-hmm. I've been done with Kanye for a while. You know, I'm not going to hold it against them that he's doing a gospel album. I'm like, yo, that's great if you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hope that you uh, find that deliverance that you're looking for. I think that the interesting thing is the church has been very judgmental about it. and Well, not all, because, I mean, a lot of these shows he's been doing at the church. He, came, he went to fellowship when he was here. I played, mean, but fellowship played, is a place January. where, yo, come on, man, fellowship is... <laughs> <laughs> fellowship is a different church. What's your name, by Fellowship might be a little more open than some other churches. It might not be as, you know, um, stringent mm-hmm. what they want, what they allow. I definitely think that there is a judgment that goes on in general where it's like, it's supposed to come as you are, but it's really come once you're like us. And I agree with that. And I think that that's where Kanye, because I wrote about it on the tribe.com. Um, I feel like that's where Sunday service wins because it is this environment. And see, I didn't grow up in church. Um, every time I, I went to church, it was this thing of you had to present yourself, right? You had to wear a dress. You had to be that. You had to, as a girl, yeah. you had to wear a dress. You had to be dainty. You had to do this. You had to do that. Or the, or the, the church um, others will look at you a certain way, you know. So that was, for, that wasn't for me when I was young. I didn't like that. Um, so there is something um, in what Kanye's doing in this, like for real, come as you are culture. Like, legitimately at the at the at the um, Sunday service here in Chicago, like people was out there rolling blunts, <laughs> people was out there in gym shoes, like uh, sweaters, shorts. Some people had heels, like like club heels on like it was whatever you really wanted to do you just came out there and I appreciated that because that is taking what the black church says and it's coming as you are culture and actually being about that and, and actually, actually showing, acted yeah, yeah actually showing what that looks like so there are there are parts in Sunday service and what Kanye's doing that I think is amazing you know and I think that if he really um invested in it or like really took it to the next level it could be it could be great but you have to question his motives and everything when one you realize he's gonna drop an album yeah because now it's like are you really into sunday service stuff or is this promotion for your album like i was uncomfortable when he did the thing here last weekend they were selling merch exactly and everything has merch everywhere you go even at sunday service they had um merch and, and Kanye stuff ain't cheap <laughs> so he you know making a grip off of that but he's making a grip off of you know the his white clothing and stuff too yeah and stuff right they're the ones that buy that stuff um so that that also makes it questionable and then what also makes it questionable for me still is Kanye can be spiritual and that's I, I totally believe that but again it comes back to what a, what do you want us to get out of Sunday service when we're there that I, when you were there, when we were there, you couldn't see 
him or anybody in that field unless you were up close or unless you were sitting um because uh, it was at uh northerly ireland so the way that the bleachers were set up if you were sitting like up in the bleacher seats you could see yeah. down in there yeah. but if you were on the ground you, level you, you couldn't. couldn't see so um that along with kanye only performed jesus walks and that was the only time he performed and everything else was just singing gospel songs or they yeah. would they would change the words to a song and um and make it a a, a spiritual song so for me it's this thing of why not make it i don't know like a life-changing church experience by adding in people who actually are in the church there are people in the church who are trying to figure out how to um reach other audiences and to bring young people in. Yeah. It's not all churches that are like we don't we don't want nothing to do with that. There are some that wants to. So if fellowship was that church, for example, why not have fellowship, which has a, a long history in, in Chicago as a as, in gospel and in just the, the civil rights movement and everything. Why not bring them in and have them um, you know, work with you on whatever the show yeah. is. Why not have the house people come in? Because there are people, house heads view house music as a form of gospel for them. Like, why not find ways to really, really, really blend these worlds together instead of just coming? I wonder if he does have a minister of music helping him with this project, because that would be With the actual project, I'm... he could. But with everything... I mean, no, and I'm interested just to know, like, would he? Because I think that, that um that's important. Because mm-hmm. if you're making a spiritual album, I mean, it has to be centered. Because it's like, okay, if your spirit is, if I make an album, but I'm all about greed, um, self, mm-hmm. um, manipulating others or whatever, that's going into the work that I'm putting out there. Mm-hmm. And with gospel, we got to be very, you know, conscious of what we're putting out there because people take that in. Right. Like, I know I pray and meditate, you know, and I worship and all of that while I'm listening to music. And I right. definitely, you know, want to be aware. Right. And and I think Kanye could really blend all of these worlds together, but you can't help but come back to what is his motive. Is his motive really rooted in spirituality? I'll tell you the one thing that stuck out to me. His album and money. At Sunday service. When you did hear Kanye wasn't wearing no draws. And every picture I saw, <laughs> he wasn't it was it was even it was still right. It was, it was just there. And, and I was like, he had the white sweats on. Yes, I was like, like God, I was like, this is great for Kim. I'm glad that she's <laughs> handling that. But I was like, yo. So funny. Oh my god. Like yeah, for real? Yeah, we noticed that too. Like I saw a radio <laughs> station take a photo. And they had the station logo right there. And if you look two centimeters to the left, it's just Big Yay. And I'm like, yo, y'all put this on the website. What is his motive? We gotta, we gotta ask. It was just sitting there. Every picture, <laughs> every photo. I was like, fam, you just gonna sit out there and just hang it out like that? Like leave it all out there? What is his motive? We gotta ask all the time. He wasn't limp. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have been. <laughs> Couldn't have been. I'm hard on Kanye. I'm. I'm. I. I he was hard on Kanye that he, day. He, he was hard on Kanye that day. <laughs> I, I'm just sad because you know I, I I Kanye was like 
one of the biggest and best rappers to me growing up. Yeah. Um, he was the rapper for me growing up, him and Lil Wayne. Like, so for us to just get to this point. And then you see how he's changed. Yeah. yeah it can be so very... it's like, it's like, it's disappointing in a way um, that he doesn't see what he's doing as like problematic yeah, or basically like that you're literally feeding into the problem of this country which is this racial division and mm-hmm. stuff. but i also think that it's about you know him um he's married and, and he could be wanting to change his life because he got kids now yeah and i think that um even him aligning himself with certain things like i don't think that kanye you can't take that away though, because if 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 I aligned myself with Trump and yeah. the Republicans and all of that crazy stuff and Candace Owens, would you still read the tribe? I. It would be difficult. Um, right. And I'd want to know more, like why? How did we get there? Right. He is married to someone who their way of dealing with things might not be to be as boisterous and loud as he used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, Kim um, actually seems to be very adamant about um, being a part of actual solutions, you know, doing the work. Yes, she has access to do the work. Mm-hmm. I think that Kanye is just in his weird space where he was boisterous before. Mm-hmm. When Katrina happened, I'll never forget right. him saying George Bush doesn't care about black people. Because he meant that. I don't think he's allowed to really be that version of himself anymore. No, he he he, he probably isn't. But And he's also older and has children and a wife and everyone else that he has to like, I won't say answer to, but that he's responsible or yeah. accountable to. Um, but that doesn't negate the fact that you can shout that slavery is a choice, is a choice yeah. and that you can align yourself with Trump knowing that Trump is dismantling and destroying communities. marginalized communities across yeah. all exactly all everything like on October across 8th there's a very color, important across yeah. sexuality lines across everything like he's gender lines all of everything that. like he's literally destroying people's lives so if you can't if you align yourself with that person you now are feeding into that marginalization of those communities. So how can you not take that into consideration when you're listening to or when you're at Sunday service or when you're listening to this gospel album? Because it, it, it brings you back. This was literally last year that yeah. you felt this proudly about these things. And people can change in a year. They, they definitely can. Um, no one is perfect. So it's not, you know, I'm not on that train if we have to you know, Kanye has to die on on that Trump train he was on. But there has to be, he has to do something. It has to be some type of apology. It has to be something that he does to acknowledge that what he what he was doing back then is not in line with what he's trying to do now. Because yeah. otherwise, all of these things are the same, in the, in the same vein of him trying to, well, now him trying to seek uh, redemption for what what's going on last year because he's not talking he's very quiet right now Kanye's not a quiet person at all he doesn't talk at Sunday service he's not uh preaching at Sunday service. he's afraid to speak now because he 
He he does the. He really feels how he feels, I think, and that's yeah. the. So so if he really feels that, then we have to wonder what his motive is when he's doing this stuff. I wish he'd just do an interview with someone like you, but um, they're not gonna let me ask Kanye real questions though. They won't let a black woman ask Kanye questions. Well, that's that's also true. You're listening to Life in Basketball. We'll be right back. This is Life in Basketball. I'm your host Morgan Sherman. My guest today is the Tribe co-founder. Tiffany Walden. Being a woman in media, how difficult has it been for you to navigate or just to watch certain things happen and you're like, yo, they definitely are playing the, you know, the woman card against me or the black woman card against me. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you all navigate that? Because you and Morgan, you know, you all two black women running a very prominent um, media organization in Chicago. I know you all still deal with, you know, things where you're slighted. Or your short changed a little bit. Um, for one, just being black in media is tough by itself. Um, because media is a white space, and it's traditionally been a white space. Um, in Chicago, a lot of the reporters um, are white, if not white men. A lot of the publishers and owners of these outlets. Are white men um, so when we're asked to speak on something or when we're asked to participate on a panel or something as, as publishers we're most likely the only people of color and also the only women on these on these um, on these panels and on these discussion boards Wow um, and just by the nature of us being black women and being young a lot of times people don't take us seriously and it's not even always in white spaces that we're not taken seriously. It's even, you know, within black spaces sometimes that we're not taken seriously. It's because we're women. Um, before we started the tribe... And because you're credible, too. I think some of that, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we started the tribe, you know, there were a lot of people who um, wanted to do work with us, but they didn't really want to hear what we had to say or how we felt that a publication should go they were trying to like silence our voice and our thoughts on what you know this publication should be because in their minds in in these men men's minds they already had their idea of what they wanted this thing to be they just wanted you to come on board be quiet yeah and just work you know just uh and for us for me if i was going to start up something I wanted to have a say in what that something looks like. Otherwise, I can go work for the Orlando Sentinel, whoever it was I was already working for. Yeah. Um, but we have to. Men, men in general, just don't take black women seriously because they just I don't know they just feel that we don't have the experience or the skills or 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 even the voice I guess to really um, make something shake. And it's just been a very interesting terrain that we've had to navigate through. Um, people people don't expect us to hold people accountable. And a lot of times people will, uh, or men at least, will approach us and, and just not even, like they're shocked that we just have something to say, period. Yeah. And they're shocked that we have critiques of things that, that people do. Um, and if we speak out about those things, then it's like, oh, like, you know, I don't understand why you're critiquing me publicly or why you're doing this publicly. 
when it's like, you know, everybody, the, the media landscape is literally critiquing people all day. If you're on Twitter, in media, everybody sits up all day long and, um, critique, and critiques, critiques, critiques everything. Critique. That's literally how the, how the world works. Um, that's literally what sports is built off of, is people sitting on ESPN critiquing uh, people playing and stuff all day. So it's like when a woman is doing that, for some reason that becomes a threat or they don't expect women to do those things. You look at Jamel Hill. People didn't expect Jamel Hill to actually have something to say. And when she did have something to say, it became a problem. Yeah. And she had to, unfortunately, uh, leave ESPN because it became so much of a problem. But I always wonder if... if um, if it was a man who said that same stuff, yeah, would they still be there? Would they, right. Would they get a pat on the back for, um, you know, ratings, for the ratings going up? Jamel and them had ratings going crazy when they were there. Everybody was watching their show. But no one can take a black woman um, that's strong in her opinions and having something to say. For some reason, that is the ultimate threat. And another thing is, um, just as business women too, like, Black or, or or men in general don't take us seriously because half some most of the times when a man approaches you to learn about your business, they doing it on on a flirty level. Yeah. It's not even on some like you know men. If a man walks up to another man and is like, "I want to do business with you," they just talking straight business. Um, we've had had experiences where you know we doing business with somebody and it turns into them flirting. It turns into them wanting. Um, today it turns into them wanting yeah. something else, and it's like you know I'm not here these lunch these lunch dates quote unquote I'm not yeah. here for a date I'm here because we supposed out, to be talking business talk about and... business right and then I get here and you're asking me you know personal questions about other stuff that has nothing to do with the nature of this um of this meeting so those are some other things that as a woman when you're a business uh, woman you have to deal with those things too and realizing that. You have to conduct yourself in a, in a certain in a, in a certain way too, and, and be wary of like what men actually want. And they say they want to go to a, a business meeting with you because have sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's like I'm just here, you know, to waste your time. Um, wow. And so I don't know. I mean, it's just so many different. Um, it's so many different challenges that we have to face as women. Um, just because we're, we've always been seen and and not heard. And uh, men are all upset about the Me Too movement and all of this other stuff. You know, they feel like they can't, you know, I can't ask a, a woman out on a, on, a, uh, for, for, on a business lunch because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, you can't ask a woman out on a business lunch. But you have to be, be professional about, about right. it's always been um, excused as man behavior. Mm-hmm. Just boys being boys. It's not okay. And there's men that don't even want to take orders from a woman so like yeah you know we could be out um on an assignment and clearly myself and morgan have the experience like we're the ones who uh are running like this business and the show and all this other stuff um and we could have a, a guy who's working with us and still don't take us seriously it's wow like, you know i you may ask somebody to do something a certain way and they'll be like, mm, I'm a, why, like, why? You know, they'll ask questions or like, yeah. you know, why Why do you want that? I'm going to do it this way. And it's like, that's not what I ask. But versus a guy telling them. Yeah, if it, was a white, if it was a white man <laughs> running 
running the show, nobody would ask any questions ever. It'd just be like, yeah, okay, I'll do X, Y, and Z, you know. And, and if it was a man, a black man doing it, it, nine times out of ten, there wouldn't be like any real questions. But because, again, of, of us being black, us being women, and because of our age, there's something there where it's just like no one it's it takes a lot more for people to take what we're doing seriously i feel like now we're starting to get that um you know that respect but early on it was very much of a challenge because it was just like um it was hard to discern what someone really wanted when they said that they wanted to work with us or they wanted to have a business meeting with us being a part of the media landscape in chicago what are your thoughts about where things stand currently? It's a very experimental time um, because I think the, the Columbia Journalism Review just wrote this story yesterday or the other day um, about America, about Chicago being America's news lab okay. because um, people, we're, we're a city that's very much engaged in our politics. We're very much engaged in um like what's going on around us and we're very much engaged in activism um and because of all of those things we're engaged in the news because we want to know what's going on so we can act you know accordingly or react accordingly based on what's going on so um we're now at this place where mainstream media really dropped the ball for a few years you know they were so focused on um on the crime and sensationalizing the crime and having the headlines have X amount of people shot and killed this weekend. Like it, that was so much of their bread and butter that people got so tired of it that they just stopped watching the news. You know, you ask the average person um, if they watch the news, they tell you, nah, cause it's depressing. Or, wow. you know, the average person tell you they don't watch the news cause the first um, 50 seconds or whatever is just crime. Yeah. You know, the first uh, couple of segments is just crime. Same thing with the newspaper. Most people won't even, you know, pay for a newspaper because it's like all the headlines is crime, you know, so... People only read the headlines half the time anyway, anyway now. Exactly, which is another problem, but... Because <laughs> um, I've seen so many, like, ridiculous headlines posted on Facebook just in the past two weeks. I have no idea how fake news has basically re-infiltrated Facebook now. Yeah, and Facebook is, like, constantly trying to figure out that algorithm, but then somebody else figures it out, and... That's yeah. that creeps back on in. Um, but it's that clickbait that media has been surviving off of. But now the clickbait, people are starting to wake up and realizing that this is clickbait. You know, I need we need we need to hold our media people more accountable. And I think the Trump election made everyone realize that, you know, we need to actually start holding these people accountable. So in Chicago, it's a very exciting time because there are so many um independent um media outlets popping up. You have us, you have City Bureau. Um, the Chicago Reader was uh, recently um, yeah. bought by um, a queer woman, Tracy Bain, and, um, and her okay. crew. And so they, they were doing like really uh, great work. Um, Black Club, Black Club Shy, Shy. You yeah. know, they, they all were pissed at how DNA Info ended up and they just started their own thing and they're yeah. doing a, a tremendous job with covering um neighborhoods and then and they just started like i think last year so um it's a very like interesting time in chicago where independent media could really 
you know, take over and can But really... can it ever supersede somebody's like um the establishment that is in place? It's almost like you're fighting a battle where you are informing people mm-hmm. and you're doing your best, you know, to inform people. You're actually doing the research, you're getting all of this info and you're putting it out there. But when people turn their TV on when they turn their radio on, they're still getting misinformed because people are just there, you know, mm-hmm. saying whatever. Yeah, you know, I don't know if we can supersede um, the establishment because the establishment has money. <laughs> and everything revolves around money and around wealth and around access. Um, but, but I do for, think that there's ability to get into that access part, yeah, though. Yeah, and that's like, what we're looking at. That access now. is definitely... Um, it's possible, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's possible now more than ever because people are recognizing and realizing that mainstream media has really led us astray yeah. for such a long time. Because now you have people who are challenging what what mainstream media is doing, um, what the established um, or the legacy media is doing. So it is it is possible. The, the the main issue is figuring out the money part of it. In a place like Chicago, you know, we're not in New York or LA, you know, so that's that we have that as an advantage because we don't have all the national publications here. You know, we really are, you know, our own pond. We can do whatever we want. We don't but have they like, are coming. I, I think that those national publications essentially will start coming. I know in LA they just passed a new um, entertainer tax or performer tax. Mm-hmm. On what venues, you know, they're required to like pay certain fees hourly or whatever, just with any type of performer now. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, Chicago is already a theater mecca. It is, the, but it's not yet a. It is not yet competing with a Hollywood. It's not, but I think that um, more people will come here to do like, especially some of those smaller projects. Um, not like you know replacing Hollywood, but becoming a. A different space, yeah. You know, a different level, a different point of access, kind of like uh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, the thing that scares me is, okay, who does that actually benefit? Does that benefit independent media, or does that benefit these legacy mediums that have continued to betray us or just mislead us? I don't know because when you look at publicists and and what they want for their um, clients. They want to say that my client was in the Chicago Tribune. They want to say that my client was, was on ABC Seven. Yeah, right. you know, they want those things instead of saying. But it's know, like, how many people actually saw your client and, when they were who, there? And who actually saw it that you're trying to reach? Yeah. Because again, here in a place like Chicago, people ain't. I won't say people ain't reading, but. The audience that you may want may not be reading the Chicago Tribune. Or they might not be listening to that. To ABC7. You know what I'm saying? They might not be listening to that. Right. And so that's where... That's where there's like a a disconnect. Because for so long, people have just wanted... For so long here, the media tour was Chicago Tribune, Ebony Magazine, Sun-Times. Yeah. That was your media tour, and and Chicago Defender early early on, but that was the media uh, uh, tour when you came here. Now Ebony is gone. Chicago Defender is not what it was. So the only two two giants left are 
sometimes in Tribune, but sometimes it's not what it used to be. So yeah. now the only giant left really is the Tribune. Mm-hmm. So now, again, as a... As and then the TV stations. Yeah, and the TV stations. But, um, yeah, as a, as a, as a publicist, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's full circle. It's like everybody has to recognize that an, the audience in Chicago is reading different things. And the audience in Chicago has different um, wants and needs. And that these legacy publications and, and um, outlets aren't giving people what they want and what they need. And so unless, if, if the industry does start coming here, unless these publicists and stuff recognize that, yeah. they're just going to continue to go to the same people, Chicago Magazine, Chicago Tribune, Sun-Times, whatever, because those are names. And it looks good for your clients to be in this particular publication. I, I see it all the time. People will reach out to me and ask me to write a story about their client, and I'll be down, but I'll be like, you know, actually, we should do it on the tribe.com because our audience is X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, man, that's cute, but actually, can you pitch this to, you know, a, a print publication? Because, again, too, some people still want their stuff in print. Um, so it's like, can you pitch it to this person, to this person, to this person? And so it's like, well, I, I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I would rather do this for... The tribe, but you know, that that disconnect is still there. Of I just want the biggest, um, I want the biggest um, platform, and in their mind, the biggest platform is subscriber base, and that is the Tribune. But really, if you're trying to have actual engagement, have actual people read uh, what you know, engage with what you're trying to put out there, whatever your message is. You should go to a, the tribe or Block Club Shy or or um, City City Bureau doesn't um, produce as regularly, but City Bureau too. Like you should go to those people and um, and do your work there. But it depends on what you want. What do you all have coming up with the tribe? Do I want people to know about? Um, what do we have coming up? We, it's kind of a quiet season for us because we just won this grant. So we're kind of like, congrats on that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So we're taking a step back and um, creating an editorial calendar and and really trying to figure out what, um, what we need to do in order to produce more stories and increase our, um, our capacity in production. We're really excited about um, the All-Star Weekend. Yes. (laughs) I'm really excited. I've always wanted to go to an All-Star Weekend. Girl. I was, I, the last one was in 88, right? Yes. 88, yeah, and I was born in 88, so I missed that whole wave. I, actually, I missed I wasn't, it, too. I wasn't even born when it came. Yeah. I was born in November, so I missed, I literally missed the whole wave. We were having a whole discussion prior to <laughs> recording this podcast about what I needed for All-Star Weekend. I found oh, I'm yeah. not going to be able to get I'm trying, it, so. to, I'm trying to be dressed down. Yeah. Okay, I've been waiting on this my whole life. Me, too. Um, I just want to buy the young woman. <laughs> You will have the body, though. You will have the body. No, I found... So, and I'll I'll drop this nugget, okay? I found out that I don't qualify for BBL because I... Brazilian butt lift because I don't have enough fat. And so they can't get enough CC to do the operation. And that hurt me because that was something that I had looked forward to since I was 15 years old. So I am dealing with that. Now we'll move past that. But yes, All-Star Weekend, what else are you all <laughs> looking forward to? Um, 
Let me see what else. Um, we may be doing another partnership similar to um, Shy Dot Vote. Um, Shy Dot Vote was something that we did um, during the election season, the local election this okay. past um, spring, where we partnered with like um, a bunch of independent and nonprofit media outlets here in the city, and we all put our um, our um, manpower together and. Mm-hmm. Um, Covered the elections. Would Chance be a part of it? I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> Whoa, that was too much. I'm sorry. I, I just had to throw that in there. I don't know. I don't know anything about Chance's plans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, so um, we may be doing a part two of that. Um, for not only the upcoming elections, because next year is um, big election is year. a big election year, but also um, for Lori Lightfoot, her first year just covering and, okay. and seeing and revealing what she up, did. Yeah, if she held up to her um, promises or not. Um, I so will say this about Miss Life, but, you know, the suits are looking a little better. You know, at first yeah, they were, right. you know, they were. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my daily entertainment. I know. Together. Like me and my grandmother, that was our thing that we used to laugh at together. Like, girl, you have to, you have to figure that something out. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it has to be figured out. She dressed like she was selling loose squares. <laughs> <laughs> no, but look, okay, Lori Lightfoot, yes, thank but no, you. But she did come through with that debt relief program for these uh, tickets, yes. these car tickets and boots and stuff. So I'm, and I personally, I'm really excited about that. Me so too. I don't have a car now because I got caught up in that um, in that system. But I'm um, interested to see how all of that affects me since you know I just had a legal name change and gender market change. So I wonder if like my tickets. Well, she said that she was relieving all tickets. I'm saying, like, but I mean, like... Oh, I, I assume if you have the identification. I mean, but no, my identification, like, things have changed over, you know. Wouldn't you, you still have, like, your old identification, too? No, my, so it's like, one of the things that I have learned, and this is just... I guess this is important for people to know. Um, When you go through a name and gender marker change, um, your Social Security number stays the same, but because of their system... It doesn't know how to really do the gender flip mm-hmm. in their system, so it does the name on the social security system, but it also, but it also like sorts it by M and M, and so I think that social security thinks that I'm two different people right now. But there's not a, and this is, I'm not well versed in this. Is is you wouldn't be able to take like your old birth certificate or like something that would have your former gender and name on yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, you. well, I'm getting, um, well, I mean, if I want to get that change, I can too. Mm-hmm. Um, some people do. Um, that's something that I don't have to research more about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, let us know, because that, uh, that could be a story. It could be, it could be. We'll definitely be in touch on that. Well, thank you for stopping through. Yeah, for sure. Life in basketball, you're the first official guest. Um, You know, by the time I do another episode, I think that Preseason will be ending, and we'll be getting ready for this wonderful season where the Lakers um, will eclipse the 73-win mark of the <laughs> Golden State Warriors. And, um, you know, LeBron will get ring number four, um, and he'll get number five next year. Bring me back around All-Star Weekend, because I'll be – my mind has been other places because it's been a grind this summer. So, by All-Star Weekend, I'll be back on my P's and Q's. Okay. And I, I, I'll be able to for real – go back and forth about this basketball stuff along with maybe not some updates.
I really, really, really hope that you enjoy that episode of Life in Basketball. Um, the next episode will come around the time that the season kicks off. So it'll probably drop a few days before the October 22nd NBA kick off. Look at the associated social media post for social media. Um, we're building on it. And each episode, we're going to close with hmm, a snippet of my stand-up journey. So, I had a consultation recently uh, for jaw surgery. Not, you know, like anything's wrong with my jaw. I just wanted to be a little more femme. And so I went to see the plastic surgeon and he was like, yo, we're gonna shave it down. So he's gonna have to do his cast down. But then he started showing me all of this other stuff that he does. Like he was showing me the breasts that he's done. And then he started showing me the the other face stuff that I guess he does, and he was like, and I can make your forehead smaller. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm black. Big foreheads are our superpowers. So. <laughs>